Yes, I'm doing the intro today. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Bikini and the Brain podcast. My name is Ashley Kalwasser, and to my left here is Adam Bonilla, sporting this amazing pink flamingo patterned shirt. Like it? Yeah, I love it. I love it so you much. Know, you know the story behind this one? I, um, you know what? Actually, you want to tell you the story of you got me playing poker again. You didn't even know it. Oh, did I? You did. Yeah. So it's all my fault. I, I, I cause gambling addictions. <laughs> <laughs> I've been played for a little while now, but no. You know what happened? Um, the first day, like you remember when you moved out here, and I like was staying at your place for a while. Mm -hmm. The first day I stayed here with you, or maybe it was like second day, whatever. I went to like the closest casino to you, and there's like a big poker tournament, and I entered it and I won. And then I was like, I still got this. Like I'm Shoot. still good. And then I lost like. 20 in a row after that. Oh. <laughs> I thought I was like, and then I won my second one at the Flamingo and I bought a Flamingo shirt. What? But yeah, got when, a good shirt I, when I first came back, I was like, I still got it. You know, yeah. like that went away real quick. Oh. <laughs> Bigger's luck, I guess. That's pretty well, funny. Well, you know, you got, uh, you got other things going on in life yeah. besides poker. I don't play do, anymore. You're busy enough, I yeah, would say. Yeah, Ashley always keeps you under control when I try to do, get, get, out of, get, get out of control doing Overly things. ambitious sometimes, <laughs> you know. Too many ideas, too many yeah. ideas. <laughs> That's funny. So, our episode is a number two. Yeah, you guys really liked the uh, part one, and we didn't get through all of them, so we still got a pretty decent amount left on the list. But uh, yeah, today's topic would be um, part two of the hardest part about bikini. Or I'm doing it again, Adam. You're three and a half weeks Dude, out from. A, oh my god, of... I'm making my own words. <laughs> Competing. I did it last week, too, yeah. and I kept saying it. We're going to get a counter going on the thing. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> so the hardest parts about competing, okay? Yes. So what's really fascinating is I asked you guys on Instagram on the little poll thing on my story, and I got a lot of really good answers, but the cool thing was I saw a lot of repeats. So the ones on the list are like repeats. I saw them several times. So a lot of people are going through the same things and find the same things about uh you know, competing difficult. So I thought, you know, hey, it's good to address it, explain why it's happening, and maybe find some possible solutions to make your competing journey a little easier and um, more fun. Yeah. You know? You know what I mean? I like it. Yes, right. let's let's see if we can get through it without any other mixed words. Okay. Or maybe you should make a mixed word that actually makes sense and it becomes I mean, a thing. Bikining. 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 Bikining is like, a, I feel like it's a good Bi one. It's like bikini and competing. <laughs> I mean, the, you know, podcast is Bikini in the Brain. We're mostly talking about bikini, you know, although we have other divisions dabble, but, you know, when we're talking, we're basically referring to bikini. I want to hear girls say this this year. Oh, bikini. what are you been up to? Oh, just bikining. Bikini. Like just bikining hard. I've been bikining hard as that. Hard AF. <laughs> bikining. I've been bikini. I'm gonna bikining a lot this year. I've been bikining my mind off this year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So um the first one on the list today is one that I didn't think of initially whenever I explained the hardest parts about bikini. Bikini. <laughs> um and I it's funny because I always say this, but I always forget about it. It's waiting backstage between prejudging and final. Like that waiting backstage and then also the time between prejudging and finals. The hardest part. Yep. It's really, mm. really the hardest part of the show, I think, honestly. Not the hardest part of prep because it doesn't last, you know, longer than 12 hours. But it's really difficult. And I always say this. It's like, oh, man, it's the hardest part of the day is that time in between prejudging and finals or a really long time waiting backstage going on in the first place. Yeah. And I, I always say, 
like you you'll be like, oh, what are you gonna do in the meantime uh, between prejudging finals? I'm like, well, probably just uh, go up to my hotel room and overthink everything I just did. <laughs> yeah, overthink everything. <laughs> Yeah, just, just overthink. Just and, just sit there and stress is all. Just sit there and stress. <laughs> stress and silence. And and I'll I'll be texting with Adam back and forth, like, do you think this looked okay? What do you think you could do better? Like I overthink everything. Overthink it to the max. And I'll find pictures that people tag me in in videos on Instagram and I'll just overanalyze it all and try to See if I can fix anything for finals. Yeah. I think um, I'll go from at like a regular show where l- during judging and you're like clearly in the lead, I'll go from like, oh, yeah, she's going to win this 90% to like 50% by the time <laughs> judging comes. I'm like, well, and I'll keep watching video and yeah. I'll be like, well, there was the, you know, I didn't even think about that. Oh, you know what? Oh, I don't know. She might have second today. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I go from like supremely confident to like, oh, wait, I didn't even, you know, to yeah. like. Yeah, you know, we'll go for, if second's good, if you get second, yeah, <laughs> like it's just I, you overthink things, right? Yeah, especially like how, and we'll also overthink how they move just around in prejudging, right? We'll be like, no, but like, you know, I was in the middle there for a little bit, but then, but then they put me on the outside and then, but then I was in the outside more than the <laughs> middle. But then this girl, she was in the middle, probably a little longer than me. But then again, they moved her to second call. But you know what I mean? So I'll just like play in my mind all the different like possible like scenarios. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's funny because you think I would know by now, like, (laughs) you know, how they move us around isn't necessarily the the it, it doesn't necessarily determine the placings. You can get a good indication from it. But at the same time, we've seen people, including myself, win when they got put on the outside. Like sometimes they're just like playing with you I think they're just like now nah, we're just gonna make it stressful for her I don't know <laughs> yeah and I think that's a good thing to go into for everyone here yeah. is like how what's actually happening when they're moving people around so um so as Ashley said she was in California and it was Tarek and Tamer were judging at one point and they moved her way to the outside and I was like oh she's killing it she's killing it and then all of a sudden she's like made to the outside and I'm like what just happened right type of thing and I was pretty sure, okay, they're done with her and that she's winning and they just like put her to the side to compare everyone else. But I wasn't positive. You just don't know. Yeah. And the judges aren't allowed to like talk to you after judging. Yeah. Be like, oh yeah, don't worry. She's winning. Like they would never do that. But, um, I, so we were both like, oh, confident, confident. And then, uh oh, what just happened? Right. So w- there was like six hours where we're just like, what's going on? And all the coaches like, no, dude, she's fine. They just moved her outside because of that. And I was like, pretty sure that's what it is, but it doesn't mean that's what it is. Yeah. So. Just so you guys know, like the the way that the judges will move things around, especially at these bigger shows, is they're trying to be the most efficient they can with the movement. 90% of the time, the, the girls who are in the middle are the girls that are doing best. But there are situations where that won't happen. Example was Ashley, that, that show, she, was, she won with a perfect score, so they moved her way outside. But there's also the example where, let's say you have number two or number three, or even number one, like on the far right, but then you have number... We'll say, we'll call her number one on the far right, but you have number uh, two, three, and four all on the far left, and there's an eight-person call out. Well, if it's a big show, does it make more sense to move everyone around and get two, three, four, and one in the middle because you have to move everyone around a bunch of times, or does it make more sense to just move number one over somewhere in between number one, two, three, and four on the left, and they're actually comparing one, two, three, four on the left, and the girl who thinks she's in the middle really is like fifth and sixth place because that's just how it went that day because it was more efficient at a big show like nationals or just a big show it happens it's not common but it does happen so all i will say is this is save yourself some stress 
and know that, you know, just kind of how you went into judging, when you went into the judging this show, you're like, whatever happens, happens. Just kind of think nothing happened <laughs> and just go into the night show like, you know, hey, I made the first call and that's all the information you really have because you being in the middle doesn't mean anything. I've been in the middle before too, where they moved, they, one time I was moved directly in the middle out of a five person call out, five people. I got moved directly in the middle. Everyone moved around me. I'm going to the night show thinking I'm money. I got fifth place. Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They really played you there. I was like, what even just happened here? Like, I don't even understand how that's yeah. possible, right? But that happened to me. And that was a, a pro level judge. It was an amateur yeah. show, but it was a pro level judge. And I was like, oh, I'm money, you know? And first name to call out. <laughs> I yeah. Like, I was like, how did that even, how did that even happen? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, totally. And you know what else? I saw them do a lot last year as well. And this happened to me a few times. They would, um, during the confirmation round, which is like after they do like first call, second call, third call out, they'll do like a confirmation round too, which means they'll bring like usually the first call out and sometimes the second call out back on again after everyone just to double check and make sure. And I noticed they did this a few times last year and I saw them do with other athletes as well. They will, um, bring like just two of us back for the confirmation round in the um, first call out. Right. So then you're like, Oh man, it's going to be close. Cause they keep moving you like to the front, to the back, walk forward, walk back. And it like, it seems like it lasts forever. And then, you know, you step off stage thinking, shoot, I don't know, man, it's going to be close. They brought only two people back out for the confirmation first call out, you know? And then you're like all stressing, like, dang, it's going to be close. And then, um, then when they do the, you know, awards and then they, they, go in reverse to go fifth, fourth, third, second. And then you just hope you're not second. And then you like, I found like those times that uh, they brought just two of us back. Like I won, but I also won with a perfect score. So I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? Like, <laughs> huh? <laughs> like the heck was this? I don't know. It's a lot of stress for nothing, but Hey, you got to keep the crowd uh, on their toes, right? Yeah. I don't know what they, I don't know if they're doing that just for the spectators or know, if it's like, it's maybe happened. it's close. And then, so I think sometimes too, like, a lot of weight goes into what the head judge thinks. Uh -huh. So if it's, let's say you have someone like Sandy or Tyler or someone who's really experienced and you have someone who's on the judge next to them, maybe their, their specialty is more like men's physique or classic physique or bodybuilding, whatever. Like they'll ask the head judge to like, why is, would you go with her? What's, what's better about her? Why would you think? And then like Sandy will give them their information. Like, well, I think, I think Ashley's better because she's got more time today, but it's not too much, whatever, if you look right there. And you'll see them like pointing and talking to the other judges. And that's what they're doing. All the judges are always trying to get better, trying to get more information. Oh, so they're from like them. learning a little bit. Oh yeah, always. You're Even if you're a top level judge, like you could be a Tarek level judge, you're still going to be learning. And you see like, uh, he'll be sitting next to a Tyler or a Sandy and they'll be saying why they think that this person's better. And if they're like 50, 50, they're going to probably go with what, you know, someone who's like the head, like Sandy's the head of all female judging. So she obviously has the most like expertise. And so judges are going to be learning. from. So that's what the judges are doing when they're talking side by side. Like it might be, bikini is the hardest one. You need the most talking, you know, bodybuilding for the most part is pretty obvious. Like for the most part, it's pretty obvious, but bikini is like, you need a lot of talking. That's why the judges are talking there. They're like, Hey, this is why this is this, mm -hmm. this is this. And, and so, um, you know, sometimes it's a coin toss, you know, so you have to ask the judge next to you, like, what do you think? And well, and gonna that doesn't that. explain the perfect score thing though. Well, so yeah. So what will happen, let's say it's close, right? And you have two judges that are less experienced than, than a Sandy or something like that. They're all talking when you do the two person call out. And then they're like, well, this, and then Sandy will be like, you know, this is why I think she's better, but she won't tell them, Hey, this is what you pick. She says, well, this is my reasoning for thinking that they're better today, you know, and then they'll be like, okay, I see it. And then they'll give also agree that type of thing. So that does happen. That's what the, the head judge is the only one that has that kind of, that kind of talking and communication at those tables at those I shows. I don't think that's necessarily the case in, in those. I think it's 
kind of hype sometimes <laughs> or, or practice. Yeah, anyway. no, if I don't get, think it depends on who the judges to, are to and the flip size of the that show. many to flip that many. Yeah, so judges. if you get, let's say you get to like a, uh, but no, they I noticed they did that in like a lot of the shows, not just mine. Yeah, like they, it was like a common thing. I don't know if it would happen that often. And some oh, of the shows, oh, you're saying the frequency of it? No, I think the, sometimes the frequency of it has to do with just putting on a good show. You know? Yeah, I mean, because I saw other shows too where there was really good, multiple really good judges that could any one of them could have been head judge but it happened a few different times yeah no, um, not even just with me but like other shows that bigger shows too so yeah, you won't get that at like an olympia level show but like a smaller show where they're bringing in judges that are more mm. experts in that different divisions because every judge has their expertise like a lot of judges come from bodybuilding and want to give back to the community and they're mm -hmm. like they're getting into bikini yeah. and they're working their way up so they're definitely going to be listening that happens more mm -hmm. at those level of shows where it's like a uh, you know, where there's like four shows in one weekend and they need help or a show in Japan and, and you have like an American judge there who's the most experienced, things like that. Hmm. But yeah. yeah, it's a common thing that happens, but everyone needs to be learning all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But the moral of the story is <laughs> wherever yeah. you're at wherever in you the are. lineup, just don't give up. Like, don't think mm -hmm. that just because you got moved to the outside that you're not going to place well. Um, you know, you can even work your way from second call to first call out. So don't give up because you can time. tell, you can tell when so a girl loses their confidence, like, you know, that they get moved out and they're just like their, their smile drops and they, their shoulders drop and they're just like, oh. yeah, it's brutal when that happens. You know, you could see it on their face, but you can't think that way. You just got to be like, well, you know, they're just doing their thing. They're just switching us, seeing what's, uh, how some people look against others and, you know, that's what they're supposed to do. It shouldn't be a, such a clear cut. Oh, that one's perfectly always in the center. They, they need to see uh, different angles and different sides of everyone. You know what I mean? They need to see what this girl looks against this girl, you know, and that girl against that girl. So, you know, more common than not, they're going to move everyone at some point. Yeah. You know, so don't, don't freak out. <laughs> and I think hope. the other part of that question was, um, backstage and what to do and what to expect so what i will say that wasn't a question but sure isn't it part of that you said they're waiting backstage. waiting backstage but it wasn't yeah. a question oh whatever but let's make it a question let's make it a question <laughs> so um waiting backstage that's something i think that everyone needs to be prepared for yeah because you never know how long a show is going to go for it i mean you, we all heard the nightmare of the bodybuilders at the olympia like when going on like at 3 a.m or 2 a.m whatever it was oh, it was like crazy so like and sad. all the coaches for the bodybuilders were so mad because they're like you know bodybuilding is different than bikini you have to be really precise with your window and their window was like they didn't have the window so the, the coach like chris acido all these guys were like so mad and everyone was was talking about it on all these um podcasts and stuff um but you need to be prepared for any situation backstage. You need to be, if you're backstage, especially if you're an NPC show, if you're going to nationals and you're like, oh yeah, we're, girls are going to go on at seven. Like just expect you to go on anywhere to seven to 11 at night and just be prepared for it and don't be upset about it because mm -hmm. the judges are trying to give you the right judging. As we talked about, they're having conversations up front. They're trying to pick the right people and they owe it to you guys to take their time with every division, not hit a certain time on time. Like that's, when it's late, you have to think of, okay, at least they're doing the right thing, you know? Like, when I go to the airport, I'm like, and they're checking my bags, and everyone's complaining about them checking the bags and checking this, and I'm like, hey, do what you guys got to do to keep my plane safe. I don't care, you know? If you got to check me and frisk me and go through all my bags and empty everything out, but at least my plane doesn't have a bomb on it, cool. Do what you got to do, you know? And the same thing with the backstage. Hey, you know what? Maybe my judging didn't get on at 11 a.m., but if you pick the right person for every division, okay, do what you got to do. It's a few more hours. What do I care, right? So... I know it's a weird analogy, but I, I think it's just the right thing. So don't get mad at the judges for taking too long, but be prepared for backstage. You know, have an extra couple meals in your bag with you. Mm -hmm. Don't, you know, be just go back there and relax and lay down, bring a blanket um, yeah. because it, it, you might be right up and you might be 
up, you know, in four hours. But if you have your two meals with you, a meal with you, and you're prepared for that scenario, there's no difference of you upstairs waiting in your room or waiting backstage. And I would prefer, Ashley's definitely a backstage yeah, waiter. I, I get paranoid yeah. if I'm not there early enough. I'm, I have nightmares about missing my class. I, <laughs> I don't know how some of these girls do it. They'll wait till the last minute to come down. I'm like, how do you do that? I, just I like, can't do it. Ooh. I can't do it. I yeah. As a, and if you girls have like your coach at the show, try to come down a little earlier. Uh, I, you know, there's so many times where I'll have it at least, you know, four or five times a year where a girl will come right when their class is about to be called up. And then what sucks for, for the rest of the athletes I have, there might have, you know, I could have 10 athletes at a show or something, you know, other coaches, clients, and I'm trying to give everyone, you know, time and say hi and, and, help one to pump and one to this. What happens is let's say that I have 10 girls there and I'm, you know, with the circle of girls and we're trying to, Oh, you go here, you go here. When you show up five minutes before your class goes out, all the attention leaves them and goes to you. Like, cause I have to get you ready. Like everything stops for you. And that's just not the most considerate thing hmm, because think of it like that. Yeah. Because you have, you have to like, Oh crap, I need to drop everything I'm doing. Cause she's going on right now. I need to pump yeah. her, get her, make sure her hair is good. Make sure her makeup's good. Get her oiled, get her in the line. I'm like rushing her to the front. Hey, she's on next. Let's get her oiled. You know, it's like a, such a panic and it. When they're doing when I'm doing this and trying to get it done in time, cause her class is next. The competitors can feel that. Oh. Like they could feel the energy of me. Like, Oh crap. I think I'm close. And there's no way for me to hide it. Cause I have to rush her to the front of the line. Like mm-hmm. do what I gotta do. Um, and then their nerves go up and then they're starting to, you know, hold water cause they're nervous. And then it's like, it just changes their routine. the whole, you can tell in their routine too. Yeah. They're really like <laughs> frazzled. Yeah. It changes the whole you dynamic, know? you know? And so get there early. It's okay. If you're backstage, like resting on a blanket. Um, the other things I'll say is don't start pumping too early. A lot of you want to get, um, are excited to be at the show and you start pumping too early. Like your class could be going on and like, it could be like the A class and you're like the H class in bikini and you start pumping already. Cause you like need to start pumping. And by the time you get on stage, you're like basically did a full workout (laughs) and you're like, you're holding water. You're not looking as good. Um, So don't start pumping too early and don't start, um, don't oil too early either. Yeah. Cause you can't sit down after that. Once you oil, you can't sit down. You can't lay down. You're like frozen upright. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? But yeah, that's true. And some, some people, not all people, but some people for some reason, and I can't be a hundred percent certain on this, but it appears to me that some people, when they start oiling too early and they, they soak up the oil and they have to do it a few times, it seems like it causes a little bit of blur on their skin. Like it's like, I don't know. It doesn't make sense that that would do that. That's such a bro science thing, but I've seen it happen multiple times where someone just soaks up oil. Like, and they're like 30 minutes later, they need another oil and then they need another oil. And I'm like, you're looking a little softer now. I don't know if it's that or the stress or them being backstage or them. I don't know what it is, but they, I, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, let's just oil you close to close yeah. to you getting on stage as possible, you know? Yeah, I would say err on the side of caution with oil. I'd rather be less oiled than overly oiled. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd rather be on the drier side. So, yeah, that can definitely mess you up. And it gets stuck in your hair, which is not fun for yeah. girls. Yeah. Like, oh, our hair looks greasy. Yeah, it's the, it's the, the glaze, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next up. Kind of uh, went a little bit over this in the previous episode, um, very minimally, but hunger, you know, I think it's important to recognize the difference. What is a craving? What is hunger? Um, Because there certainly is a difference. Hunger kind of um, has a more physical response, right? Hunger um, is like maybe your stomach is like cramping up, hurting. Maybe you're like feeling lightheaded. Some people feel lightheaded if they're not... um, you know, if they haven't ate, um, but, um, hunger can be satisfied with 
something as simple as chicken and asparagus or something, you know, because if you're truly hungry, you will eat healthy stuff. Whereas a craving is likely triggered more by emotions, like maybe you're angry, sad, um, frustrated, uh, but maybe you just want a taste of something. And in that case, obviously it's a craving, a craving you might want something a little less healthy, but I can say this, um, you'll quickly know the difference if it's hunger or craving, if you're just able to satisfy that with chicken and broccoli or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, cause if, if you're hungry, you're like, I don't care. I'll eat it. I'm starving. Whereas a craving is like, nah, I want, I want a cookie, you know? Yeah. So usually a little less healthy, uh, cravings wise. Yeah. That's, that's the hard one. That's you're really good at describing that. I'm glad you, you yeah. do that because I get a lot of that too. Um, just with athletes, like athletes, here and there on the team will be like, oh, I just, I, my body needed it. My body needed it. And I'm like, no, you never needed, like you're, you're eating everything you need. Yeah. <laughs> like everything is, is in there that you need right now. You know, your calories are a little low because you're dieting, but everything's in there that you need. Mm -hmm. You wanted that cookie. Yes. You wanted the cake. Yes. Because <laughs> if you were hungry, like yeah. there's better options, yeah. right? There's better options. So basically it was a craving, which means wasn't a hunger. It was that a wasn't hunger. It be a combination of both, but yeah, you satiated you know? your hunger with a craving. Yeah, yeah. Right? You just <laughs> that was a craving that you responded to, not hunger, because you would go for a healthier choice, right? If you were hungry, you know. Yeah. So chicken, a couple couple quick veggies. steps that we went over before too, just to re recap. Um, make sure you're always hydrated. You know, make yes. sure if you're going into a meal, if you have. 16 ounces of water before you go into a meal, you're going to be a lot fuller, like towards the end of that meal. Make sure you always, that's the first thing, make sure of that. Um, you could do things to take up more volume in your stomach. So if you're drinking a protein shake, you could blend it with ice and the air and the, the air from the protein shake, it takes up more space. You can add um, fibers to that as well. Uh, there was another, was it, you add, did you add the, it was like some type of gum or? Oh, for cravings, there's another set to accommodate cravings, things like uh, chewing gum, brushing your teeth right after it's going to cut off that want for something else. Um, there's like sugar-free drink mixes. Uh, but yeah, you're right about the air, the air taking up volume, which yeah. also carbonation will do as yeah. well. So, you know, but if I'm truly hungry, you know, I, I go for some sliced uh, sliced pickles with stevia or you have stevia, even the pickles? I stevia everything. I she, put stevia in my pickle jar and drink the pickle juice. I know you drink the pickle juice. I didn't know you would Oh, I stevia, stevia everything. Really? Stevia. I've seen you drink pickle or, juice. Or so sucralose. <laughs> everything sweet. Everything I eat has sweetness It's so to funny. It. I've never seen anyone do that with like the way you do it. I've yeah. never seen it. Yeah, the first time ever watching you put mustard in stevia and I was like what is she doing with this salad and you're like oh I make my own honey mustard yeah <laughs> I was like that, I guess that makes sense yeah, yeah. so um no but there was so the gum thing maybe it wasn't you that maybe it was Sam or someone that did it but they put like a it was like a fiber or something in the protein oh 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 yeah exanthan gum there you go that's what it is I don't yeah know. that's a, a shake thickener or it's a vegetable it's vegetable fiber basically but it thickens a lot of products like if you look at the back of a lot of products it will have exanthan gum in it um but yeah it's used to thicken things and it works well for protein shakes or or frappes that you want to make at home but the only thing is you must 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 blend it or put it in like an ice cream maker yeah. you can't just put it in a shaker because what's going to happen is just you're just going to have a big clump at the bottom of something and you're something slimy a clump of something slimy at the bottom <laughs> and you're gonna be like ew you said frappe frappe 
frappe? What's like a coffee blended coffee drink? Oh, I just did that. Frappuccino. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. that's All not right. about, no. So it doesn't cut it. It's not blended, <laughs> but close. Okay, close. we're getting closer. <laughs> getting closer. Frappuccino. Um, so like, yeah, blended coffee drinks and stuff like that. That's what it would be kind of used for, but. Yeah, it won't work in a shaker or it won't work if you just put it in your coffee cup. It's not going to work like that. You know what? Um, locals, locals tip. They have a blended coffee at the Westgate Casino with oh, protein really? powder. It's like the only oh, place, my. only coffee place you can go in that I've seen in Vegas where they actually throw in whey protein in your coffee for you. Isn't that cool? Oh, yeah, it's right here too, Westgate. So anyway, tip for, it's Quest protein. So okay. yeah, okay. thicker protein too. Mm-hmm. So anyway, and that, and then the other thing is veggies. If you're, if you're really, really hungry at the end of your meal, you could double up your veggies. Yeah. You know, just tell your coach, hey, I doubled up my veggies. I was super hungry for all my meals one day, whatever. Mm-hmm. If veggies are the reason that you're not getting to your pro card status, then there was bigger problems than the veggies. Yeah. <laughs> I know, like, like, in my, in my fridge, I always keep shredded lettuce and shredded uh, cabbage just to throw in a handful if I'm feeling extra hungry that day um you know if (laughs) no one's gotten fat from an extra cup of shredded lettuce yeah you know it's uh that would be very hard to do very hard (laughs) to do so it's nice to keep the veggies handy in case you need that yeah okay good that was a fun one Mm -hmm. what we got next so Next is balancing work. So unlike balancing your social life, work is a little bit different because you have to be somewhere. You have to get this done. So it's more like mandatory assignments that you have to do or a place you have to be at a certain time. And obviously um, you need to, you can't just be like, you know, I'm most people can't be like, you know, I'm just, I got to do my cardio first before I come to work, you know? It's not like that. So you have to like, strategize your time a little better to work around it you know yeah Yeah, i think you really nailed that one i think that's pretty much pretty much it strategize your time um what i will say tip wise so the only time i run into work issues with people is um like nurses have issues a lot uh you know when they're because they're doing like 12s they'll do like three 12s and whatnot and they don't have the energy after that to to do a workout or something like that so i what i do on with like nurses or if you're working that type of job is we'll count your steps that day type of thing. Because nurses usually get a ton of steps. Like nurses are 25,000 steps a day type of thing. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. I've seen some in the 30s. And uh, so we'll kind of count that as our cardio that day. And then we work that into their plan is like, you're going to do maybe more cardio the other days. And then they have more time off those other days. So then um, we'll do their light workouts on those days. So all they do is after that is they may do like a shoulder workout, like a quick shoulder workout after work. Or they'll do like an arm workout or something like that. But they're not doing their like heavy leg days on their work days type of thing. So changing up your training split around your heavy work days might be something you need to do or talk to your coach about too, um, where you're doing your off days and you have like the longer workouts and then your your work days that are shorter workouts without cardio type of thing. So there's a way to make it work for everyone. I don't think, you know, when you look at everyone's day and you could look at, okay, do you have an hour in your day anywhere, even on a heavy work day? I don't think anyone's really going to say no. It's just a matter of if you want to make that time and if it's mm-hmm. worth it to you for your specific goal. If your goal is just transformation and you're just trying to lose, you know, 20 pounds and whenever it happens, it happens, then who cares? You know, you could work out four days a week instead of six, you know, no big deal. But if your goal is like contest, you're going to have to find a way to make it work. You know, there's just, you're going to have to find that hour in your day. So yeah, but I also think if you are having a really, really hard time with it and you are a transformation client, uh, and you're trying to make, you know, the six days work like and it's it's becoming less fun and it's stealing the joy from you doing the gym stuff. Then you have to look at that as, OK, can I do this forever? Is it realistic for me to maintain these results if I get them in a way where I couldn't do it in a maintainable way? Um, so that's some things you have to ask yourself, too, for everyone's going to be a little bit different. Same thing with prep, too. You know, if some people are 
made made for it, made for prep long term, and some people are made for it short term. And what I want to make sure to do is to never turn someone's passion into like a job. And then when they're done with it, they don't ever, they lost the passion. So there's always balancing those things out. So you have to find a way to make it work for you in a way where you're enjoying it and long-term there's a time for grinding too, that being said, but Mm -hmm. there you go. There's my, my run on, on that one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, (laughs) next is staying motivated when you don't see results. That's a big one because you know what? Not, Every single week, you're going to see results. And not every week is going to reflect all the hard work you put in the week before. So I'm sure you uh, sometimes get the like, oh, man, I'm so disappointed. I worked so hard last week. I was 100% on my diet, and I didn't make any progress. Well, you know, the progress is never going to be linear like that. It's not like every week I'm going to lose precisely one pound and I'm going to lose precisely 0.25 inches off my measurements. It's not always going to be like that. Sometimes you might see a little plateau. Sometimes there might be a little delay in um, in response to, you know, like I always like to say this too. If like, let's say, and this is hypothetical, I would never do this. If I drink a whole liter of cooking oil, okay, so many calories, right? It's not like I would see that the next day, you know, your body's not going to realize you're in an abundance of calories the next day. You might not see it for a week or so. Um, Same thing when you lose weight too. Sometimes it does take a little bit more time than what you think, but you know, as long as you're consistently seeing the numbers drop. Yeah. I think that that's a good, and a good, a good example of that too. And I'm glad that you're talking about it not being linear because that's, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a ton of variables that are going to go into like a weekly check-in type of thing. So I always try to make sure people are only checking in like the day of their check-in. Um, Cause if, if people are weighing in every single day, I do think that that causes a little bit of stress because of the natural fluctuations of weight that you're going to have from just different things. But if you check in, let's say every Wednesday or something like that, generally your Tuesday, your Mondays are very similar. And then your Wednesday will be a very accurate, similar reading, right? You're going to have, you know, your time of the month where that will throw things off. But for the most part, your Mondays and Tuesdays are pretty normal. Um, but if you're, if you're checking in, let's say you're doing you're, you're doing your weight every single day, you're going to have days where maybe you went hiking one day or maybe one day you worked out really hard and you're holding a little bit of water or one day you were at the pool and you're dehydrated the next day. So now your next day's weight is, is light and then you start gaining your water weight back, your normal water weight, and you're like, oh, I'm gaining weight, but I'm doing everything right. So first thing I'll say is try not to do your, try not to do your weight every single day if it bothers you, if you're one of those people that bother, bothers you or become kind of obsessed about it because it's never going to be it's never going to be consistent. Like, Oh, I lost 0.2 again, 0.2 again, 0.2 again. Like every single day, you're going to have weird fluctuations and a good extreme example of this, which I like to use is if you guys ever watched the TV show, biggest loser, which is, uh, it was a fun, it was a fun TV show, but it was, uh, it was a crazy TV show at that too. Cause you would have, you know, I don't know, what was it, 12 people, 15 people who knows that were like all nearing 300 pounds for the females. And you know, some of them nearing 400 pounds for the guys. Like it was just big people trying to lose as much weight as they can. And they were on pretty crazy diets. Like these were, you know, when we're talking huge weight in people, 300, 400 pounds. Um, and we're talking them eating closer to 2000 calories or less, and then doing just hours and hours of cardio per day, working out once per day. And they were in basically, you know, fat camp. It was basically a fat camp for adults and it was a TV show. And then one week you'd see a guy who would do this and he would lose like 17 pounds. And it was like, they do a weekly weigh-in and whatever team had the most accumulated weight, one one person from the other team that lost would lose a person until you got to the biggest loser, right? So you would see these guys doing 
these crazy losses, 17 pounds, 10 pounds, nine pounds, like in a week's time. I've seen sometimes, I think I saw a couple which were like in the 20s and you're just like, man, that's insane. And then the next week gains three pounds and he did the exact same thing as he did the week prior. Same calories, same cardio, same everything, right? And they're like, what's, what's going on? I don't understand. I did everything and they would like be devastated from it. And I'm like, hey, like they never did, but the coaches needed to do be like, hey, like you don't need to look at the week progress. You need to look at the accumulated two weeks progress. Yes, you lost 17 pounds last week, which is awesome. And then you gained three pounds this week. So what did you really do? Well, you lost 50, what is it? 14 pounds in two weeks is the real thing. And over the course of, you know, a year's time, you want to accumulate data. Of course, what did you do over the course of a month? It's not really a week to week thing. It is a week to week thing in terms of your, you know, what you have to do in the gym, but your progress is, is, you know, accumulated amount of time. And I think that people will get really frustrated with um, not seeing the scale change, especially when they're in a gaining phase. Because the gaining phase is the worst. You gain such a small amount of muscle and it's like nothing's changing on the scale. I mean, if you gain a pound of lean mass a month, you're kicking butt in the gym if you're like a 120 pound bikini competitor. Because you got to think that's 12 pounds of lean mass per year. But on the scale, that's a quarter pound change a week. And you're not going to be super, super excited about it. But you have to look at things as a grand scale of things, you know. What did I, what did I do in two months? I gained two pounds of lean mass Did I, you know, am I filling out my glutes? Am I making these improvements? But it is, it is a hard thing to understand, like to stay motivated with, but you have to understand the process of what's actually happening and like, think of the grand scheme of things, I guess would be my advice to that. Mm. Yes. Very good. Very good. <laughs> okay. So next up is posing and walking. So, you know, this is very interesting because you can, when people are first starting out, some people get the posing much easier. And I find that those girls are the ones that used to be like dancers, cheerleaders, very self-aware of where their body is at, or I guess uh, body awareness, like where spatial awareness, I guess, yeah. is that what you call Makes it? Sense, I don't know. Yeah. Where you are in space, how your body moves versus the girls that, um, you know, didn't have that experience or not familiar with wearing heels. I think that's the biggest thing is like you can tell the girls that, wear heels and the ones that don't um and you know the heels that we have for competition anywhere from 4.5 inches to five inches usually uh so they're they're much more steep than the regular heel but you know some people will start out kind of looking like a little deer in headlights <laughs> little little newborn deer um and then some of them will just kind of come out and you're like, dang, she's got really good flow. There's things we can fix, of course, but the flow is there. So it's hard to explain the flow, but, you know, just looking confident and not as shaky, you know? Yeah. Um, one of the tips that Phoebe, so Phoebe, obviously she poses a ton of people. Kimber poses a ton of people. They both have the same like advice for people on, on getting comfortable that aren't comfortable. And she says, wear your, just wear your heels around the house, yeah. like cook in them, do your daily, do your laundry in them, like get used to those heels. So it becomes like second nature to you for girls who don't generally wear heels like outside. Cause a lot of, a lot of women these days don't wear yeah. heels outside. They're, it's all yoga pants and gym shoes, you know, for like yeah. 90% of people, 90% of the time. So, um, especially competitors, cause they're not going out on the weekends. They're not like getting heel yeah. practice. Right. So, so yeah, that'd be a good tip is just wear them around the house. You know, um, that's, that seems to be like the consensus of yeah. getting comfortable in those heels. Seems easy. And, uh, yeah. And then it's just practice, you know, that's, yeah. that's the thing. Look at your local area. If there's group posing classes, obviously there's the online ones, but I think that there's nothing better than group. Um, cause they're for two different things. The online ones are great cause it's someone's individually helping you. But when you're in a group, you get to really replicate 
Yeah, you could just see others. Yeah, you mm-hmm. could replicate a show scenario. You get to be around people. You kind of compare yourself of where you're at versus everyone else. That muscle wise, probably not conditioning wise, because some girls are like way off season. Some girls are doing a show next week. But um, it's good, really good practice. So look at your local area where the workshops are at, where the local posing thing is. We have one Saturday. We have mm-hmm. a posing seminar this Saturday yes. at ten. You guys are welcome to come down. Yay! Yeah, bikini and wellness today. How exciting. How exciting. So that would be anything else? Any other tips on on getting? You know, I think I'm, yeah, just like you said, take a lot of video footage of yourself. And then as you get better, you're going to have to wean yourself away from the screen and away from the mirror because that's training wheels. Because it's much different training in front of a mirror or not, sorry, posing in front of a mirror or posing in front of your phone on selfie mode than it is when when you're like out on stage. It's much different. It's like literally training wheels is basically what a mirror is because you can see how your body's moving but that's not going to be the case uh when you step on stage so make sure you eventually uh wean yourself away from that okay next up is having the prep goggles oh my gosh this is such a thing yeah this is such a thing for sure so prep (laughs) goggles are basically as you get closer to a show you're going to be hypercritical of yourself Right. You're going to look you're going to do probably 50 ab checks a day <laughs> and then <laughs> by the hour you're going to notice, whoa, my abs are a little softer right now. Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, so a lot of times, more often than not, you're, you're going to think you're not ready um, versus being overly ready. I think. Well, for me anyway, most of it's I'm not ready yet versus, oh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm too ready because you can be too ready too for yeah. a bikini. So that's the thing. Yeah, that's a that's a hard one to really to really get and second guess yourself. I, I will say this, you know, you're if you're a new competitor, like you're brand new, uh, you're gonna have to kind of let go of the control. A lot of people who here's the thing: this industry has a you naturally are kind of a control freak in this bodybuilding world because you're kind of doing so much for yourself by yourself, like for a specific look. So you have all these like control factors. So you go into it, and it's like hard to give someone else control. You know, like okay, no, I think I'm not lean enough. I see a girl at my gym who's shredded. I should be looking more like that, right? I'm way behind or something. Well, it's different for every person, you know? Um, So like Ashley has to come in pretty lean for a show, but we also have to maintain as much muscle as possible, right? So we're trying to get get muscle on as much muscle as we can on Ashley and her shoulders and maintain it. We can't just diet her down, diet her down so she can hit that lean look, we have to do both. We have to preserve muscle and lean out, right? So there's different things for different girls. Maybe you have a lot of muscle and yeah, you could probably be ready ahead of time because you can diet down the whole time. And if you lose a little muscle, no big deal, right? So there's different scenarios for different things. And if you have to maybe mention this to your coach to get on the same page, because they might be just be doing that, just knowing it, you know, if I have a girl who's overly muscular and I'm dieting her down already, she'd be like, why is he dieting me already? But she's, I didn't explain it. Well, you know, maybe we just need to have that conversation. Oh yeah, I'm dieting you down now because you, you're so muscular that if you lose a little bit of muscle, no big deal. And I'd rather you be ready ahead of time, right? Or if you're a little bit behind and you're like, I think I need to catch up and you catch up. Well, don't worry. We've been trying to maintain muscle, maintain fullness. Now we're going to diet you down those last few weeks pretty hard um, and then refill you at the end type of thing. So there's different scenarios. So you, when you have a coach, you are kind of giving up that control to the more, um, someone who, you know, they do prep. I do a ton of preps every year. For me, the, uh, the to see what's going on is so obvious to me, but to you, doing one prep, you know, three, four times a year, one person, it's not so obvious to you, right? So there's that part of it. Trust your coach. Trust your um, the people in your corner. Um, and then don't get the, – the hard thing is getting advice from a lot of different people at the gym. I will say that. That messes up people a lot. 
I can't tell you how many bikini competitors that we work with as a team that will tell me, are you sure I should be doing bikini? Because everyone at my gym says I should do figure. Everyone at my gym says I should do wellness because they got a little bit of body fat on their legs and glutes. But everyone says I should do wellness. Are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> like they don't know the sport like of where it is, you know, today or whatever. And they just have a completely skewed misunderstanding of like what it should be for, for what they're seeing. They see a vein and they're like, oh, you should be doing women's bodybuilding. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like oh. when you get all these opinions from non-experts, it really throws things off too. Yeah, so definitely. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the issue. So mm -hmm, for sure. Um, okay. So the next one would be nerves. So rest assured, even I get nervous, even if it's a show, that's not a big show. I still get nervous and it's totally normal. In fact, I like to describe it like this, you know, it's a sign that you care and that's a good thing. If you're nervous, that means you care about it. And you know, if, if I, if I didn't care about what I was doing, I'd be like, oh, I'll just get this over with. Like, okay, you know, so it, think of it as like a good thing. Okay. That means, Hey, you're passionate about this. It means something to you. Now the problem becomes converting that nervous energy into excitement. So the judges love to see that you're excited on stage. They love to see that you look happy. It looks like you're having a good time. And I think this is something that naturally kind of occurs, right? You're naturally more attracted to people that look like they're happy and enjoying themselves rather than just like a stale face, like, mm, you know? So in order to, I guess, um, portray the excitement on stage, I like to, to just say, you know what? Hey, we're, we're, everyone's nervous. You're not alone. Don't, don't feel like you're the only one that's, you know, got the nerves. Cause we all do. Um, just even if it takes, all you got mentally, just turn that into excitement. Just be like, you know what? I'm nervous, but I'm excited. So think of it more of like, you know what? I have this energy. I'm excited. I'm going to turn this into excitement and enjoyment. And don't overthink things either. Because that happens a lot when we're nervous. We overthink it. Like, don't don't think like, oh, I have to hold this exactly two seconds, one, one thousand, two, one thousand. Just have fun. Just make it look like you're having the best time of your life, you know? Yeah, and I think... Um, the nerves thing is fun, like in terms of like a, like story wise, because I, I go to custom auto again from, so I, there's a lot of like boxing stories I throw in this custom auto is Mike Tyson's coach, uh, his first coach and, and Mike Tyson would get really, really scared when you go into a show really nervous before he's going, I'm sorry, to go into a fight. And he, he gave this really cool speech on nerves and fear. He's like, you know, fear is basically, you know, a, a, a step past nerves, right? Being nervous. So He's like, what is fear? Like, what is, he's like, well, anytime you're going outside of your normal scope of things that you're very, that's very normal to you, you're going to be more nervous because you're not doing what's normal to you. You know, you're staying out of line. Your body's kind of telling you, hey, this is not comfortable to me. This is not my normal everyday routine. It's not, I'm not comfortable with this. He said, so what's, what's fear past nerves, right? Fear past nerves is, you know, what, it, why do we, why are we afraid? And fear is because like, well, basically fear keeps you alive. You know, fear is like a, a great tool for your body to keep you alive. If you weren't afraid you would be jumping off cliffs off jumping into water off of cliffs because you would have no fear of dying from it you would have no fear of you know maybe i can make it before this train passes right you'd have but the fear does this natural thing that keeps you alive you know it's been you know nowadays we would know yeah don't do that but hundreds of years ago we'd be like no like maybe i can jump off this cliff right and jump into the water from 300 feet up <laughs> right so like so just think of hey you know what i'm pushing my body and I'm pushing my mind past its comfort zone and I'm setting a new threshold of acceptable norms for me. And eventually 
I mean, that's going to be, I'm going to be less nervous and then less nervous. And this becomes more normal to me. Right. And then you can really flow on stage. You could really be your comfortable on stage. You could really take that, that nervous energy you have and be, you know, just natural and vibrant and, and shine on stage, which is something that the judges will see, like Ashley's saying. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I love that story from Cus because it was really cool when I, when I would see it, like it was profound. And, and we, you know, we talk about, um, you know, Tyson being like this, like, you know, god of war basically in a boxing ring and he would go into fights being like super scared and he'd be like how is that guy ever scared so he got gave him that talk you know why are you scared you know well you're scared because of this you know and and so this keeps you alive and, and you have to understand that's just part of your your biology like your human yeah. like your human instinct you know mm -hmm. and so when we're doing things that are not normal to us yeah it's gonna push our mind make us afraid make us nervous and we just have to understand what it is and if you understand what it is then it's easier to be like okay this this is what's going on I'm nervous because I'm doing things that are outside my norm. I'm not used to basically being in sparkly underwear in front of a thousand people. <laughs> <laughs> and I need to get better at this. And then just my body's telling me, hey, this is, this, is, this is fearful for me. This is nervous for me. So once you kind of say, okay, I can control that. I can accept what it is. I can move past it. It's just some natural instinct that I have. And it's, it's all it is. And I'm prepared for this. I've been preparing for this for 16 weeks, six months, whatever. And I am ready for this. You know, I'm, I am just as ready as anyone else stepping on that stage right now. Mm -hmm. And then you can go out there and, and turn that into the energy like you talked about. Heck yeah. Heck so. yeah. Got to do it. All right. So the next one would be comments from others because we all get it, especially people that's outside of the industry. Your friends or family. <laughs> they say, you're looking too skinny. <laughs> you got to eat. <laughs> they might say eat a cheeseburger why thinking that, that they're so clever. Why is that the go-to? I don't know. They, people think it's like they're a a creative genius and think, oh, I've got a, a clever thing to say. <laughs> he did a cheeseburger. Oh, I thought I'm the first one to ever say that. <laughs> wow. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Ash. You, oh, you, but basically, I mean, you just first off, if it's somebody you know and friends or family, explain the process. Explain what you're trying to achieve and why you need to get lean, why you can't eat this or can't eat that, you know? If it's somebody you don't know, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> who cares because at the end of the day it's like you know you got to think of the person that goes out of their way to like put you down right like I could never just picture myself like purposely going out of my way to put an individual down that I don't know you've got to be pretty miserable yourself you're projecting yeah. you know I honestly think that because if you think of the most confident happy people do you ever see them just going out of their way to put someone down I don't see that happening, and I have no desire to do that. I might think something. I might be like, oh, I hate that girl's shoes, but I would never just go out of my way to be like, shoes are ugly. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you got to be a certain type of miserable to project um, onto others, and that's the way I think of it. So if it's comments coming from people you don't know, oh, well, you know, that sucks for them. So <laughs> I wish they get uh, find their happiness someday. So Yeah, that's a tough one, and I will let like, anyone know who's on this journey, if you're climbing and you're becoming of anything notable, you're going to have those comments. It's going to happen. So you're going to have to develop thick skin. And as you work your way up, you're going to see a little bit of them here and there. And then it becomes more as you get more popular and the more eyes are on, you're going to get more of those little haters here and there. And the hard part is, and I, I find this with almost everyone, is you'll get a hundred comments, you know, oh, you look so great crazy glutes, glute goals, whatever, like type of thing. And you'll get one negative one. So the ratio is 100 to one mm -hmm. and they focus on the one. Everyone focuses on the one. I'm like the hundred, <laughs> the hundred versus the one is why are we focusing on the one, you know, account that's like a, a, 
uh, troll account anyway, and you're focusing on that, it's a very simple move. Block, <laughs> move on. That's oh, yeah. Literally, any negativity. I've always said this on my Instagram. People are like, it's funny because they'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm blocked. For, I'm like, well, then you probably said something stupid. Yeah, exactly. I'm not unblocking you. You like, don't block just for no reason. <laughs> yeah. there, there was a reason why yeah. you did it. Zero negativity yeah. on my stuff. It, okay, block. Uh, see, like, yeah. who's that? I don't know. I don't care. Yeah, so that's that's the thing. Um, you know, never never give into that and understand that it is going to come. The more, the more you're known, the more it's going to happen, you know, cause you're, you're reaching a, a larger audience and that 100 to one ratio becomes, you know, 1000 to 10 and then 10,000 to 100. And it's becomes, you know, you're getting more comments, but you're also getting more positive. So focus on the positive things. Um, but yeah, you're going to have those, you're going to have those things happen. It's just part of it. Um, especially understand what you're doing too. You know, you're putting yourself on stage to be judged. So when people judge, don't be mad that you're being judged. Like that's part of it. Like you're literally mm-hmm. asking for that. So, so if they're, if they're doing it right, you know, they're, in, they're criticizing yeah. the right, not saying, Oh, she's got whatever, like something mean, you know, yeah. there's, there's a totally difference of, yeah. Critiquing know. versus just plain like, Hey, you know, there is a difference. Like, Go eat a cheeseburger, probably not a good critique. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, she could be a little, she's a little bit too lean. That's what I would say. Yeah. You know, or yeah, that. like, hmm, I think she came into the show too lean or something. That's, yeah, that's totally different. Yeah. But I, you know what I think is like another one that's up there with the, the cheeseburger thing <laughs> is I liked how you looked before. Oh, gosh. And I tell you, every fit girl has experiences. And some of them, like, were fat before. And they're like, yeah, I looked. I like how you look better before. Why? Because it's more attainable? Because it's easier? Because it's more yeah. close to what you look like? Yeah. <laughs> hmm? Hmm? Is that why? Because <laughs> people get uncomfortable when they see somebody achieve uh, something that's that they couldn't or something that they want to achieve, but they can't for whatever reason or don't have the motivation to do so. So, you know, people will also hate on people that are too rich or too successful and whatever. Same thing goes with their physique. They'll, they'll say, yeah, you looked better before when somebody was like 50 pounds overweight versus now. And it's like, come on, like, come on. Even like, sometimes I'll get it. Like you look better without makeup. Like, dude, listen, let's be real. Like, no, like you're just playing with yourself. Okay. But it's just like, you know, people, uh, every fit girl has experienced that. Yeah. Every fit girl, you looked better before, especially on transformation photos. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's an, it's unfortunate, but it is exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. People, when, when people see other people su- get more successful than, than them, they're, it's just some, I don't know if it's like a human nature thing where they're just kind of envious, but they don't accept that they're envious of it that someone worked harder than them. They just think of it, oh, it was luck. Oh, he was in this situation. Oh, it's because of whatever. They never think, oh, that they like worked their ass off to look like that. So they come up with all these reasons to kind of put it down because they're, they're like having some self-reflection of, oh, I didn't do that. You know, mm-hmm. that's the whole Elon Musk thing, right? That I always talk about. Everyone always hating on him for being too rich. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, no matter what, someone's going to be too rich. That's just the way that everything goes to the, to the, um, where does it go? To the few, many things go to the many, to the many few things will go. And that's just the things with all of, all of life in general to like, you mm-hmm. know, like it's, it's, it's a, it's like 10% of the stars have most of the, most of the light. Ten, everything's like that. 10% of the forest has most of the forest, right? It's like, it's just every, Everything's like that. It's called a Pareto theory. I think it's called, right? Is it Pareto theory? I don't know. He knows. <laughs> Arthur. Um, so it's just the way it is, you know, but it's funny. Uh, one of the funny ones that, that, cause Elon's like the biggest troll. They were like, if you're so, you're so, uh, what do they say? Like they said, he's so rich and so um, greedy. So like, if you just, if you just gave $7 billion, you would end world hunger. And then he broke back. He goes, 
okay, I'll do that. Please explain in, in detail of when I give this $7 billion of how you do it. And if you can explain in great detail, I will donate it. <laughs> Ending world hunger. And then no one ever got back. I'm yeah. like, yeah, where it happened, guys? <laughs> so it's wow. just, that's just the same thing with, you know, with fitness. You know, anytime you're reaching past someone, they're going to try to drag you back down to their normal playing field where they feel comfortable, right? Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate, but I do think some of that is just human, like a human instinct, right? I don't know. I don't have that instinct because yeah, I'm different. Either. I like to, when I see someone be hyper successful, I'm like, I'll go two ways. Like I'll see someone who's hyper successful and they're climbing and I'm like, man, good for them. That's, that's awesome. Like good for them for working hard. Right. And then I'll see another way where it's like, they're challenging me, let's say in the industry. And I'm like, and it motivates me. You know, I feel like I've always done best with having like a nemesis, right? Yeah. In in Colorado, it was my friend Alan and Russ, right? We were like, we'd always battle for for awards and titles and clients or whatever, right? And it was like, at first when I was younger, we'd be like more rowdy about it, right? But then as we got older, we're like, no, I've always needed you. Like I've needed you to push me to be better. And now I have my friends at the, at the upper level, right? On a world level now. And I need them to be, to push my skill set more because if they're producing more than me or bringing someone in better than me, I'm like, damn it, I'm not going to let him pass me. Right. So it's never been like a, a hate thing. It's like, that's my, that's my goal to be like that. And I think it's the same with bikini, right? Someone's got a little bit more tie in and now you need to be a little bit more in the tie in or whatever. I'm not going to let them outwork me type of thing, but it's not like, oh, she's working too hard. I'm not going to do that. Like it's never been that way. It's like more of a, you know, motivation. And I think it's just how you perceive things and how you, how you take on that, take on that, uh, that challenge, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So next we'll talk a little about, about post-show because it seems to be the hardest for most people. I think a lot of people think that, well, they don't think it, but when reality comes knocking, post-show is much harder than contest prepping, unfortunately, because there isn't like usually a time-specific goal. Um, you know, there are a lot of like all-or-nothing people. So sometimes the off-season itself is harder. I would say even for most. For most people. Yeah, I will, I will actually agree with you. I used to think that, I used to, you know, and, and as like, as a coach, you know, going through this, I mean, I'm in, I'm in many years now, and I used to think that the off-season people who like weren't sticking to their off-season so great, they just lacked the um, intensity and the desire to be great or like what it would take to actually be that. I'm like, well, you're not, you know, you don't have what it takes type of thing. And then, I realize how consistent it is. You know, I realize how, just because I wasn't like that because I just grew up in the bodybuilding. I mean, I grew up in literally the bodybuilding mecca of the world. You know, for me, being in, eating clean all the time was like kind of social pressure. But for others, social pressure was eating the other way, right? Like I couldn't, if I ate a burger or whatever pizza in front of like my friends back then, they'd be like, dude, what are you doing? Like we're eating steak, we're eating that. Like they're all bodybuilders, right? I grew up in a, I started working in supplement shops at 16. So my social pressure was to be on plan. Everyone else's social pressure was to be off plan, right? So I have kind of grew up in a little bit of a spoiled way. So as I started learning and getting, I was like, man, everyone goes through this. Um, and the the problem is, is that it, I think that time-based deadline really is the motivating factor for a lot of people. So how do we change that? And how yeah. do we make something besides the time-based deadline, the motivating factor for them? And that's a really hard thing to do because there is no... I have to be ready by thou mm-hmm. type of thing. Absolutely. You know, and I think you, even you, you like having shows because it keeps you in, in accountable, right? Keeps yes. you in check kind of thing. Keeps me motivated. The, the motivation's consistent. 
when I have a show like in, in a month. I always say the hardest show of the year is the first one after taking a few months off from shows. Like this gap in between Olympia and Arnold drives me crazy because it's like, ah, oh, there's nothing to jump into. There's yeah. nothing. <laughs> So yeah, any what, you have any advice in between? Like, what have you been like during this break and whatnot? And any advice you'd give out for that? I would say for people like keep consistently checking in, no matter if you stuck to it one hundred percent or not. Because sometimes, you know, you need to see the ugly truth if you're putting on weight or not. If yeah. you kind of go months or weeks even without checking in, especially in the winter time, you don't realize how much weight you might have put on if you're off. So even if you didn't stick to your programs 100%, even if it was the worst week ever and you just let it all go, still check in because sometimes you need to see the ugly truth like, oh, yikes, I uh, I messed up and I can see it, yeah. you know? So it's a little bit of an accountability thing. Yeah, and if you're someone who doesn't have a coach and you, know, and you need to, you can still be accountable to yourself. Like keep a... I used to do this. Um, I've always been like self-coached, but I would keep a uh, piece of paper above the scale. And then once a week I would weigh in, do my measurements and I would see it. And every week, you know, I would see my, my numbers and make sure that I'm not gaining too much on my waist or whatever. And that was like my own version of, of that type of check-in thing too. So yeah, I think that that's probably the biggest thing is still checking in. Um, and then finding your, your holes, finding your weaknesses, you know, um, maybe in the off season, you don't work out as hard. Maybe you need to switch your workouts to, four days a week, five days a week in the off season instead of your six when you're in in season. So you could be motivated for those four because it's better to get four crazy good workouts than six like half-assed, barely getting through the gym workouts, you know? Um, so maybe that's it for you and you could stay super motivated because you're in the gym less, you know? Um, there's there's a lot of things we got to figure it out for you and what's, maybe you need a free meal once a week. Maybe you need a free uh, a macro meal once a day. Um, maybe that keeps you on, on track. But whatever it is for you specifically, you have to, you have to listen to that. That That's very important because if you're like, I'm going to be like Ashley, right? Who's competed for a long time, competes all the time. You're like, I'm going to be like Ashley and I'm only going to eat, you know, chicken and broccoli for the most part. I'm not going to complain about it, but that's not you. You're not there yet. And you're trying to force yourself. Yeah, of course, you're going to probably go off plan. You're going to have a weekend where you're with your friends. And you're like, oh, screw it. I'm not even doing a show till next year anyway. And the next thing you know, you're up five pounds from that weekend because you just like totally lost it, right? But if you have that, free meal once a day or, or that macro, I'll call it a macro meal once a day where all the meals are kind of tracked. And then that macro meal is just your macros. You fit whatever you want into it for that day during the off season. Or you have a free meal once a week. And that's like, at least that keeps you like, oh, at least I have that one meal and it keeps you sane. And yeah, maybe it isn't as hardcore as an Ashley, but that's what works for you. You know, there's no problem with that. People do that all the time. You know, you see even pros do that all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of what's good for you. And you have to listen to yourself with that. You have to accept your weaknesses. You know, my weakness right now is my training intensity in the gym. I know that if I'm ever going to have the physique I had before, I need to step up my intensity in the gym again. That's where mine is. I can adhere to the diet, but my intensity, something in my mind isn't where it used to be when I was like super, super intense. So I'm doing a lot more time of like my cardio intensity with like boxing and stuff than it is than I am with weightlifting. Right. But I still want that physique, but if I need to face those facts, Hey, Adam, if you want to look like that again, you need to get in the gym harder. Right. So we all need to face those things, you know, and it's just be honest with yourself. Yeah. So I think the off season is all great time to figure out those holes. Yeah. Really. Um, and just be honest with yourself. Just realize why am I not 
seeing results. Like, is it the diet? Is it the training? Is it my mood? Am I in a bad mood? Why am I in a bad mood? Can I fix my mood? You know, things like that. Is the diet too unattainable, like you mentioned? So I think, you know, it's good to find these holes in the off season so that they don't become issues when you go to prep because you definitely don't want to be figuring out when you prep. And I think that that's something that people don't understand that everyone, so I call it like kind of like a funnel. Everyone's funnel is going to be a little bit different. And so think of a funnel and then think of the funnel when you're first starting your prep or you're first starting your off season or whatever your problem is, is having a bunch of little holes in the funnel on the way down to the, the pour of results, right? You're pouring all those results out at the end of the funnel. Or if you're just pouring water and all this water is leaking out of it, of course, you're not going to get the most results to, at the end, to the end of the funnel, right? Well, you're going to plug, a fun, plug those holes. How are you going to plug those holes? Well, one maybe is a free meal. One maybe is four days a week working out. You find those holes in your funnel that are going to get you the best results and find, and it's not weakness if you have them. That's what we need to all understand. We all have them. All you know? of us have. Even when I was competing, I was super in the zone. I was literally like pretty much groomed for bodybuilding, right? Worked in supplement stores since I was 16. So I had them, right? So you're going to have them, you know, you're going to have those things and you need to find what, what your specific funnel is. And if you're looking at, you know, the wrong people for your you know, I think it would be actually would be great to be like a motivating person in terms of that's where I want to get to. But it's been years of following a diet to got there or there. And I still have my flaws yeah. too. Yeah. You know, I'm not perfect. I, you know, if anything, I'm a little sneaky snacker sometimes, although I don't bend or anything. Um, and also intensity, I deal with that too. Yeah. You know, I think that's a big thing for me, the intensity part. Because when I'm super motivated in the zone, oh, you can't stop me. But when I don't have like a show coming up, you know, like now yeah. it's like, oh, man. It's hard to like feel that it's real. Yeah. So. And even you took a year off one time, you know? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I regret it, but I did. Yeah. But at, yeah. The, at the time you were, you know, you were living in that and that's, yes. you know, everyone, mm-hmm. I think it's important to understand that, you know, everyone's human um, and we're all going to have those things and you're not weak because of it. And you just need to find out what your holes are and need to be realistic with what your expectations are for you specifically. You know, if you're just getting off the couch and your first time you're like, I just need the hardest diet ever and I'm going to get there in six months, I'm going to have my pro card. I could pretty much guarantee, like, maybe you'll stay motivated for those six months, 16 weeks, whatever, and you get shredded. I could pretty much guarantee if you go from that to 100, you're going to rebound probably hard because you just, you didn't learn anything. You just went hardcore for a little while. Like, and then you're going to really need to come out of that the right way. And it's going to be really hard to do that with no time-based goals. So, mm-hmm. so just, you know, take your steps. Heck there yeah. you go. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was a good one. That kind of yeah. puts us around an hour here. So I think it's time to wrap it up. But These are fun. They take a they, while though, right? Yeah. And we still didn't get to all of them, but that's okay. We'll save it for in the future. We're not about to do part three. Yeah, We're yeah. going to bore people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you guys uh, know of any that we missed, let us know in the comment section below. Maybe we'll make a whole whole episode of it who knows i think we could do that i think yeah. some of these are they're, actually they're really yeah for one full podcast exactly. let's do this let's ask you guys mm-hmm. if you're cool with it of course ashley of course um if you guys are cool with any of these topics that we've talked about in the last two episodes where you would like them to be like one full episode maybe let us yeah. know in the or something section. we didn't even touch on yeah you know because there's still some of us we didn't touch on so you know i think we all kind of had these struggles and it's interesting like i said to see that there's repeats that a lot of people go through so you know prep can be fun it really can be and i think if there's one like message i have like my my like what i like to promote is it's not as miserable as a lot of people make it out to be it can yeah. be a lot of fun the whole process in season off season you just got to find a way to make it you know, enjoyable. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I wouldn't be competing as long as I have if I wasn't enjoyable. I'm having the time of my life. Yeah. In and season wanna, and off season. Yes. 
And I, I think you're a great example, Ashley. You're a great example of, uh, of this, of what it takes and stuff too. So I want to do, I want to do one, one thing before we leave. We're so soon guys, we have to say goodbye to Arthur. Aww. We got to say goodbye to Arthur here. Arthur's been the man behind the camera for what, a year and a half, Arthur, something like that year and a half. He's been awesome to have here. He's now training. This is the first episode where he's training Milena who will be our new content creator. So the stuff behind the cameras will be her in a couple of weeks. We got Arthur for a couple of weeks, but, uh, but, but you've seen all this evolution of the podcast and the multi cameras mm. and all this stuff. It's all been Arthur's ideas. And, uh, and we appreciate you, Arthur. And, Thank and, you, and, Arthur. Yeah, and he, he leaves us in a, in a great way. He's going to do some great things. And I think that's awesome to see growth too, right? Yes. It's awesome to see growth. And um, I've really, I, I, I'm excited for him, you know, and that's, you know, I, I'd rather keep him. You know, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I tried to keep them, <laughs> but, 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 uh, it's just cool to see like in all industries, you know, people growing through fitness, right. He used this as his platform. Um, he did a lot of videos for raw. He did some for Laura Lee originally. That's how we got you. And then, um, yeah. And then now he's growing into doing his own thing. So that's really cool. I think that yeah, it's cool to see everyone stuff. growing. Yeah. I'm def I'm not happy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not happy about you leaving. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to leave, but, uh, but, but it, yeah, but um, Malena is like way better than him anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thank you so much. And thank you guys uh, for everything. And uh, Arthur's still shooting videos. If you guys are in a Vegas area, you can get, get with him and shoot video, videos and stuff. Um, and he'll still be in the prep center every now and then. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you later. Bye.